Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday, July 27, 2023 edition of Memorial Diet Legal. My name is Jackie, and today and tomorrow for Friday, I want to finish up with two selections from this book, Marvelous Fitness of Pigs by Joel Salatin. Um, today is going to be a selection from page 199, a food and farming system that is empowered versus disempowered. And the reason I chose this is because there is a legal nexus to it about regulation. So I kind of just wanted to read through this. Um, talk about empowered, disempowered practices, and also shine a light on kind of the other side. Because I think I chose this passage because, you know, Joel Salatin is a farmer, very independent. I think about this in relation to the nodes of the moon, right? The nodes of the moon switch into Aries and Libra. So Aries is a sign, it's the initiator. It's like, to me, it's like a spark, right? It's the independent person, loner. I'm going to do everything on my own. Very Aries. Um, versus Libra is very collective as the scales versus the you know initiator, the emperor. It's the scales and um, Libra represents a collective wisdom, a collective knowledge. And so Joel Salatin comes from, you know, he does try to honor both sides, but in certain aspects, he does come from a very individualistic perspective when it comes to him versus the government and regulators. And of course, we can understand why he takes that position because he's probably been given a lot of grief by regulators and may not um, understand how to navigate that system or to understand where those people are coming from. But I think everybody, generally speaking, is trying to do the best they can given the lens that they are holding. So um, I just wanted to add some commentary from the legal perspective, the Libra perspective on um, in response to what he writes in this book on page 189. Okay. So a food and farming system that illustrates empowerment versus disempowerment. What does that look like? I say it would look like the church. Lots of independent groups doing lots of different things. Individual practitioners would have a lot of latitude. Is that what America's food system looks like? I wrote a book several years ago entitled Everything I Want to Do is Illegal to help people understand our farms battles with the food and farm police. Okay, so you just see here. Food and farm police, we're already using that language, um, police, when people use the word police, that is implies an oppressive nature, at least in this context. Farm battles with the food and farm police. You're already, when you use the word battle, you're not us versus them. Police, you're trying to indicate that this is like an oppressive, maybe you don't agree with, but you can't help power. I'll just hit you a few highlights here to give you the flavor. Federal and state food inspectors showed up on our farm one day and told us we could not legally sell our chickens if we processed them in an open shed. They said the air was inherently pathogenic. They wanted bathrooms, impermeable walls, and artificial lights. Interestingly, we had just participated in a laboratory test comparing bacterial colonies on our chickens to those on the federal inspected birds in the supermarket. Several samples of each were taken and cultured. The chlorinated federally sanctioned birds averaged 3,600 and ours averaged 133. In case you're struggling with the math, that's 2,500% uh, 2, clearer, cleaner, or 25 times in case percentages are too complicated to understand. Okay, so you see here, like, he's, he's generally speaking, and obviously you can understand perhaps why, but, like, a kind of, um, for some people, it might seem like holier-than-thou attitude. So in case you're struggling with math, that's, so it's, like, very, um, how am I going to say? It's very, uh, it can be like slightly condescending. Um, I don't 
you know, personally, I don't take offense to this because like, I know my math. I, I did my work. <laughs> I hear you on this. Like I can speak of this, but I think that when he's talking about these government inspectors, federal and state inspectors, I mean, it goes back to the point. A lot of these inspectors likely did not do well in math and science class, um, but he has the mind for it. And it goes back to this topic that I talked about the other day. And I was a high school math teacher for eight years. And it's just math class is so important for our children, not just like skill is the skill, right? It's a gateway to science, but from a mental and character development activity, um, it's hard to operate in the world at a very high level if there is not some understanding of mathematics, um, conceptually, procedurally. Uh, and you don't, you know, if you're out of school, you don't have to feel bad because you can always pick up on math. It just, I think a lot of times it's taught very poorly in school, but in order to relearn the math, um, just take a math class for fun. Like when I was in college, I would just take classes for fun. Like I took linear algebra and calculus three. I didn't have to, um, but I just took it for fun. And I would have kept going if I <laughs> didn't want to graduate. Right. Like it was just relaxing for me. So we have that, um, the tone in case you're struggling um, with the math, it's 2,500% cleaner or 25 times in case percentages are too complicated to understand. Now, folks, wouldn't you think that these government agents supposedly charged with food safety would be excited about something that's much cleaner than their stuff? Not only were they not excited, they blew it off. They wanted walls, they wanted better lights, the sun wasn't good enough. So here, this is a a lesson in human relations, right? Because as this, the I, I browse through this just to make sure this is what I wanted to read today, but this is the first time that I'm actually like reading it word for word. So he's taking this tone, like you all don't know math. This is so obvious. Well, it's obvious to you because you're doing this every day, but if you're a food and state inspector, like this is not obvious to you necessarily because you're coming at it from a different lens. And he's like, wouldn't you think that these government agents supposedly charge of food safety would be excited. So yes, in an ideal situation, we would hope that our inspectors understand what you're talking about because they're educated in these matters. But the fact of the matter is, is they likely are not. And it's not helpful, especially with people who are probably in a government position because they are attracted to power over others. And I know that sounds so terrible, but just in a general way, they're attracted to power over others for whatever reason. Um, they blew it off. They wanted walls. They wanted better lives because you are challenging their authority in a, I'm just going to say like, this is the board that's coming up disrespectful. You're not respecting them as a humanity. You're challenging them in a disrespectful way. So then you're going to get a lot of pushback. They wanted walls. They wanted better lights because now they're, they're trying to assert their dominance over you because they are not feeling seen and feeling heard. And you're like, how can someone in a position above me, an inspector, like not feel seen and not feel heard. But at the end of the day, we're all just people. A lot of times the inspectors find a lot of self-worth for better or for worse in their position. And so when you challenge them in that way, because likely maybe they have less confidence, less, it takes, it takes a lot of confidence to do this, right? But people who have less confidence, you challenge them that way, you could get a lot of pushback because it's like they're already fragile. And now you're making them even more fragile because they know they they know they don't know what's going on. And so they're going to use force and authority to maintain their ego instead of having an ego collapse. Okay. 
The one bathrooms, even though my mother's house was 50 feet away and my house was 50 feet away, both of which had two bathrooms. Yeah, because you're now you're you're past the point of reasonable negotiation. Okay. And he starts the suffocating rules and regulations from America's food police disempower farmers from accessing the market with better food, with cleaner food, with safer food. That is the truth. Okay, so truth with it is, I covered this in another, in another episode, but it's like, is it truth with a capital D or is it truth with a small T? Is an objective truth or subjective truth depending on where you're standing in the room? So again, the suffocating rules and regulations from America's food police disempower farmers from accessing the market with better food, with cleaner food, with safer food. So that is the small T truth from Joel Salatin's perspective, right? But the people in government industry, that's not their truth, right? They're, they're seeing things through a completely different lens. They think that they are helping farmers accessing the market with better food, cleaner food, safer food, because their interests are much bigger than the individual interests of Joel Salatin. Bill Salton is looking at this from like a purely individualistic perspective, um, very Aries. I also think another very individualistic sign is like Virgo. They are very like precise and individualistic, like a purity of um, transmission. Like there's like this purity uh, about Virgo. Virgo is an earth sign, but this, you know, Aries is a fire sign. Um, but there's like a, a purity there in the two signs that kind of resonates and manifests in different ways. But when you're talking to people who are probably, let's just say, collective signs Libra, obviously, people who are more collective Libra, maybe cancer in a way, where we're concerned about the clan, the collective um, Libra cancer. I, those are the two that come to mind. Um and it's funny because the United States of America is a very Libra cancer nation. So I'm just going to mark it as Libra cancer. When you have Aries Virgo, Joel Salatin, up against Libra cancer, um, the U.S. government, there's going to be a conflict. It's just like so interesting because the lunar nodes have just shifted into Aries and Libra for the next 18 months. And like this is a conversation that... Um, I'm bringing up in the podcast, right? Uh, and, you know, confirmation bias, but it's just an example of kind of like the energy that a lot of people in the collective are talking about, whether or not it's related to the moon and I, who cares? Like, that's a very, see Virgo Aries, like who cares? Just the fact of the matter is capital T truth is that there are a whole bunch of people talking about it because this is an objective fact that the lunar nodes are objectively speaking for a fact in the constellation astrologically of Aries and Libra. So therefore, you have a lot of people talking about it. Like it's an objective fact that there's going to be a baseball game here at a certain date and time. Like it's just an objective fact. Um, and because of that objective fact, a lot of people are going to show up to the game and talk about it. It's going to influence public opinion. So T with capital or small T. When paranoid people see this is where you get like paranoid people ignorant about food ask for more government oversight to protect them this is a kind of insanity encourages so you see the tone here paranoid people ignorant about food so these are all like personal attacks ask for quote more government oversight to protect them this is a kind of insanity encourages so instead of like seeing the other person's perspective and empathizing and putting yourself in their shoes and like kind of like weighing the pros and cons and saying like, okay, I have this individualistic perspective, but I also see this other perspective that's more labor in nature, more Venusian in nature. You have the Mars and this is where Mars gets its its um, reputation for severing and separating because 
this language is good for separating. It's good for separating the wheat from the chaff. Like I'm going to call out the issue, right? I'm going to isolate the issue so I can examine it. But ultimately the examination has been placed back into the larger collective. And when you examine an issue to the point where you're destroying the connection to the collective, that's when the issue can no longer be addressed because you have separated so much from the collective, the collective is no longer resonant with the issue that you're pointing out. So we have to, again, it's like Aries, Libra, Mars, Venus. We have to balance calling out issues, but it's literally in the Bible, like speak the truth of love. There you go. That's Mars plus Venus. I don't know where that you can, I don't know where the citation is. Ephesians 4.15. Okay, to understand the verse's context for 11 to 16, speaking the truth and love is speaking that which is doctrinally correct and that which proceeds from biblically, okay, the person who's in need of correction. Okay, but the, the Bible can have multiple interpretations too, because uh, so we're not going to get into it, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, speak the truth and love, Mars, Venus, we want to speak what is true. We all, we have truth, T with a capital T, but if we're speaking the capital T truth, it doesn't necessarily be spoken in, I mean, it needs to be spoken in love, but like a lot of people are not going to get offended because we all can agree. It's speak the truth, the small T truths. When we want to speak our perspective on, a, uh, on an issue that we know is debatable, um, we need to speak it in love. We need to use a Venusian tone. Okay. And I see this is coming up again too. When I used to write scientific papers, Versus when I'm writing my book, right? My scientific papers were very martial in nature because these are objective facts and you're trying to communicate in a very technical, precise way. I think even legal writing can be that way. You want to communicate in a technical, precise, active way. It's very young, it's very martial, it's very T with capital, a truth with a capital T because that is the tone you need to take because you want it clear and direct and like separate. Um, there's black and white, okay? But then you have... Truth with a small t, it is Venusian. It's more in the gray. It's cancer, uh, cancer. It's Libra. It's debatable topics, right? There may be multiple perspectives on the same topic, but when we use the language, the martial tone, capital T, the objective tone, when we're speaking about small t truths, I don't care how right this is objectively, even if it is the objective truth, right? For whatever reason, it, it's going to be a disconnect. It's not going to work, right? It's just not going to work because um, that's just, I say the laws of nature, <laughs> law with a couple L, but it's just when you, when you see patterns and you recognize the patterns of how people accept uh, feedback or reject it, most people, um, their egos, their connection with their individual identities at such a place where you can, if you start speaking debatable truths with the tone of Mars or objective truth, they're just going to be turned off. And so it's just like blowing hot air, basically. Okay. I hope that, see, this is where I'm trying to like bounce it out. So I'm calling this out. Um, right. Okay, we now have a food system in which it's perfectly safe to feed your kids Twinkies, Cocoa Puffs, and Coca-Cola, but not raw milk and their squeezed apple cider. Um, we now have a food system in which it's perfectly safe to feed your kids Twinkies, Cocoa Puffs, 
and Coca, I think because you're talking about the subsidies and like the, you know, in schools, I mean, this, this is an issue, right? So my translation of this is I saw this in the school, like in the public school system, you have vending machines with all this junk food. Like, why do we have it in school? Because kids can like, and I used to do this in high school, kids skip lunch, they start drinking all the sugary things and, you know, not necessarily that knowledgeable yet about the body because we're not teaching them that at that age. Um, and it just perpetuates non-learning in school, ADHD. Now you can't focus in class. Now you're getting poor grades. It's just this perpetual cycle. And I always thought that a key lever, low-hanging fruit in the public school system, take out the vending machines and replace them with whole foods or whole food vending machines or just have a chef in a cafeteria. So like wealthy schools have chefs, right? And they can just like get wholesome food whenever they want, just like at the house. When you're in these lower income schools, it's like, again, like you're perpetuating broken cycles because they do not have access to nourishing food for their minds. They do have like literally Twinkies and soda in the vending machines. Um, so he's calling out this point. He's, you know, when I read this, his tone, he's very impassioned and rightly so, right? He's just seeing this as being an obvious issue, but it's just, it's complicated because there's a lot of moving parts, right? A lot of people, um, a lot of localities. So it's perfectly safe to eat sterile microwavable packages of unpronounceable ingredients, but not but homemade food is unsafe. Alita that doesn't mold, rot, or desiccate is safe, while farm said cheese that's alive enough to grow mold is unsafe. Yeah, um, but there's like pros and cons to that too, because there are we have to have boundaries on like home um people who are making food at home because there has to be safety requirements, because there has been a history of when there are not regulations in the food, it's just like anything, like people cut corners and people um start making people ill and sick. And that's just a very preventable thing. So we want to have a process, like a quality control process to make sure even if you're doing the right thing, that doesn't guarantee your neighbor's doing the right thing. Like we all live in a collective society. We have to sometimes just play to the middle or, or lowest. <laughs> I guess this is why Mara's coming out. The lowest common denominator because it's just, we all go together, right? Like we all go together. Um, okay. And sometimes oh, we all go together. Sometimes when you're like, it's like the parents waiting in the car for the kids to get in. It's like, you're ready to go, but like these people still need, and sometimes you just feel like leaving. Um, yeah, but I think like we all live on planet earth and we all have to, at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh, I just want to like leave. I I understand these people going, the Jeff Bezos of the world, you can understand why they're exploring space because like, oh my God, like, I don't know what else to do. But sometimes you just need to like, okay, let's just try it again. Just try it. There has to be just a slightly different way. And it can be frustrating though. It can be frustrating. Okay. Anyway, one of the best things a farmer can do is build a pond in a wetland. That's a great permaculture concept and an extremely environmental thing to do because it creates many additional habitats rather than just one. But government agents will put you in a jail if you mess with the wetland. Yeah, and this is why I studied in um, in law school. Okay, so you have like the wetlands protection and there's all these tests you have to do. You get these clearances. If, you know, if you're in real estate, I'm sure you will understand a lot of times people use environmental protection laws, not necessarily to protect the environment, but to stop competing um projects competing real estate projects from going in so that they can go in and there and do it themselves or prevent 
a real estate development. You know, if you want to prohibit development, think about the Tennessee Valley Authority, find an endangered species or make one, make one up, create an endangered species. And that will at least delay the construction. And sometimes you hope the delay of the construction will like drain the money that they'll just move. So it, they all goes together. Sometimes it's not as pure as we would like to believe. Um, so government agents will put you in jail if you mess with a wetland. So like, this is the thing, like there is a process and that some people, you know, it's very frustrating when you know this to be true, the processes in place can be very inefficient. Like the judicial system to me is very inefficient and attorneys talk about this all the time, but it's just like, what can you do at this point? Because sometimes it's slow for a good reason, but sometimes it's like, okay, it's slow for a reason, but eh, maybe we can just like come up to the times legal system, but it takes the attorneys, right? To adopt in that system and attorneys in general are very conservative by nature because that's the type of people who are attracted to law. But sometimes it's like if we can get people who are not conservative in nature to go to law school, um, I know it's hard. It can be out of character. I mean, it's what I did. I did like it's the shadow side. Like going to law school to me was like very against who I quote was as a person, but I went to law school and then actually it's, it was me looking at my shadow and integrating my shadow. And I think when we do that, that's how we can shift the, the system to support values that are more emergent or, you know, so returning to the old values, but for our little, little like range of experience, right? Like we're coming full circle, but for our range of experience, it can be very like a new value. It depends on your, your lens. Okay. Um, the plethora of regulations tyrannizing farmers and food opportunities are too numerous to imagine. Bureaucracy does not bend well to round pegs and square holes, okay? Bureaucracy does not bend well to round pegs, square holes. Yeah, so it's basically, he's using an analogy to kind of explain kind of what I was just saying. Um, different set of values. Building inspections that outlaw gray water systems or alternative building materials make it difficult to build an environmentally friendly house, right? Try installing an innovative way of composting toilet and see how friendly <laughs> inspectors are. So I'm like, oh, even for myself, I'm like, yeah, I'll be that inspector. <laughs> this conversation is extremely rigid and does not recognize that a farm like ours has people doing lots of different things. Yeah, so I had a professor in a law school um, taught statutory interpretation, which is a class where you look at the statutes and you examine things from like six, six different perspectives, right? Every statute can be examined through six different lenses um, and then the combinations of those. So when you do like six and then the combinations of six, six, that's a lot of different lenses that you can view one piece of statute from. And I'm just talking about a line and then the words can be viewed through 36 different lenses, right? So that's what that class was all about. And that class is foundational to the rest of law school because during law school, that's what you do for every single class and every single topic. And this is why I like the law because it's like, it is really unlimited in nature, um, always expanding, always shifting, always moving, always evolving. It's good for the mind. Um, the mind needs a lot of stimulation. So um, he would always say he was really good at presenting multiple sides of every issue um, and not allowing his students to like guess where he landed. That's why I always appreciated about him. He didn't really know where he landed. I think that was the point of the class. But anyway, he would, one day he just like came out. He's like, you know, not everybody wants to live in a state of nature. Not everybody wants to be in a farm. Not everybody wants to be in a rural community. Like some of us enjoy our Texas, you know, 
cookie cutter um, suburban communities. And I agree. There's a there's a beauty in that too. Um, it's, it's when we start saying like one is better than the other um, in a subjective way. Like there's people who find that beautiful too. We all have to like shift together and agree as a collective. That's when you get the T, a truth with a capital T. Because when we all start agreeing where there's like no longer debate, that's when we can get over the tipping point and then shift society. Um, because the debate has been settled to a tipping point. I don't know what the number is. I always think 80, 20, four out of five. Um, statistically speaking, that's mastery. So I always felt like, you know, as above, so below, as within, so without, probably follows the same sort of pattern. Okay. Um, plethora of regulations, try installing a house, right? So like when we think about the house, for example, redoing the kitchen, I'm getting rid of the refrigerator. That's like a very Aryan idea. People are looking at me like, she's crazy, right? Oh, she's getting rid of the refrigerator and replacing it with what? With like drawers and stuff. But I have my reasons for it. But once I start talking with other people about why I'm doing this, maybe someone else will do that too. And then someone else and someone else. And all of a sudden you see it on Instagram. And all of a sudden now you have collective tea truth that is being propagated now shifts society. So like that's the mechanism. Um, it's not beating people into um, beating people into submission. It's just being who you are and stating like, these are the reasons why I'm doing it. It's kind of like a legislator. And then enough people co-sign onto that and then it gets shifted, right? Okay, composting toilet. Workers' compensation is extremely rigid and does not recognize that a farm like ours has people doing lots of different things. It's designed for factory farms and specialized jobs, right? Anyone who has tried to start a baloney business in their own home can test the regulatory atrocities. Um, yeah, because also we have to like understand why we're not joining the collective. Because sometimes there can be a push towards being so individualistic that we have not considered the pros and cons of the collective. And when we fail to consider the other side and the pros and cons of that, um, the regulations will decide for us. And then you won't be persuasive to the regulators because the regulators hold the upper hand of collective um, power and ancestry, right? These are the words of our ancestors. And to overturn, even in the Declaration of Independence, they notice this, we need to have a lot of good reasons to overturn things that have been settled for thousands of years. You have to have a really good reason in the Declaration of Independence for our ancestors, July 4th, 1776, listed out those reasons. But you can't just like go on a whim, right? You can't just go on how you feel. It goes back to the whole Kundalini, right? The serpent. Um, God tells the serpent because you have to be direct with the serpent, right? You have to, because it's too fluid. It's too, it's too much. Like you have to be direct with the serpent, but people who are, have control over the Kundalini and can, you know, to regulate that through their mind left and right. Now I'm thinking of a book that I wanted. Um, this is talked about thinking of rich by Napoleon Hill. That topic is in there. When you can take that Kundalini energy, the creative energy, and when you can use it um, in conjunction with your mind, then that's when creative power happens. Um, and that's where sometimes I think, you know, um, Kids are a lot of work. Uh, I love my children, but I think T with a capital T, anybody who has raised a child of their own understands the energy that it takes to produce another human being. And sometimes if we opt out of creating humans and start creating solutions to the problems plaguing the already many, many humans on this planet, um, that that may be where, you know, the cure to cancer is, the cure to climate change. It may be there instead of putting it in another human. It may be the transmutation of that energy into creative power. 
um, that will help solve our issues. And a lot of times when I think about the collapse of societies, I read a, a book, um, collapse of organizations, or organizations, collapse of societies, um, a big indicator in many collapse of societies, you always get these symptoms, just like the body, it's illness, you get symptoms of illness in a society. The symptom of illness, um, a lot of alternative lifestyle, um, it's always a symptom of a society that is bound to collapse. I think that we can prevent societal collapse. It's not going to be like Roman Empire collapsing in this like dark age anymore because we're all so connected. But when you start having a lot of alternative lifestyles, it is a signal to everybody in that collective that we need to stop, in my opinion, stop reproducing children. And I, I you know, I have two children of my own, so it's not, I, yeah, it's a very it's a very touchy subject for myself, right? I'm speaking to myself right now. Um, I have two children of my own, so I'm not exempt from this. But it's just like, you know, we we have to think about these things. We have to make sure that we have the resources for what we want to do. And we have to work together to make sure that the resources as a collective are there. And when we think about, you know, a lot of alternative lifestyles, that is a direct um indictment on those people who are in power who have failed to lead society for lack of a better word because i'm trying to be like clear and like safety like the people in power let's just use the supreme court as a scapegoat right right now the conservative supreme court who majority held our very conservative christian values it is the conservative christians i mean he also speaks about this homeschooling, having multiple, multiple children without the resource to provide for those children, without the um, the consideration of society and again, like hearing capacities and so on and so forth um, and raising those children in a way that you're developing them to be an asset and not a liability to society. And I know that that may be tricky for some people, but we are either contributing or we are taking away and we are all contribute and, and take away. Um, all of us do like sometimes we are the helper and sometimes we are the helped. It's not, that's not the issue. The issue is when you are being helped in a way where you cannot, you can reasonably contribute, but you're being a freeloader. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. You're being a freeloader on society. And, um, when you have a lot of people being freeloaders in society, society cannot sustain that because you only have the few at the top. And when you think about Jeff Bezos, like some things you understand again, like why they go to outer space, because you have the few at the top who are creating systemic solutions, but they're being told from the people who they're providing solutions for, let's say middle and lower class, that they're these billionaires and they're not helping and that they're greedy and selfish. When really the existence of Jeff Bezos, the existence of Hollywood is because the lower class, middle class people do not have their families together and do not have their communities, communities together. So they have a solution for those issues, for those issues that exist in that community. And of course, there are, you know, opposing forces. Maybe we don't have time and space to mentally create that. But sometimes it's like turn off the TV. Like I'm talking to my people, turn off the TV, turn off the TV and open a book. and. Um, I don't know that it just 
is when they saw a very like alternative lifestyles, alternative religions. You go down to the church down the street and they're going to be condemning you for alternative lifestyles and alternative religions. But you're like, no, this is an important indicator in the collective that we all need to turn our, to, we need to be the one, the people condemning in the pulpit are the ones who literally need to turn their ways because they're the ones in leadership, right? Like the people that have alternative lifestyles are really helping, trying to help society sustain itself because they're like, if you're driving a car, they're like check engine lights, right? We already know how many times, like these are the check engine lights of society's car. When you see a lot of alternative lifestyles, it's not the alternative lifestyles that need to be condemned. It's the people in leadership that you're not leading appropriately um, with all that power. And there's going to be a correction event. And it's just like the magnitude, and by magnitude, I mean, you know, either magnitude small or magnitude large. Uh, we can have an extinction event or we can just have a, oh, okay, we have a shift in world power event. The magnitude of that correction is going to depend on how quickly people can stop infighting and how quickly people can, you know, start leading with open heart, open heart, open mind instead of condemnation. It's going to depend on all of that. Um, and sometimes you, you know, I spoke about how he had like very Aryan tone and how it can be very off-putting, but it, this is included. It's people who can take the Aryan tone and see him as a person, see Joel Salatin as a person, like, and not and try to translate his language, just like I'm trying to do in this podcast episode, try to translate his language into one that like I understand or that translated for another group of people who may be Venusian nature, right? Okay. Um, this is probably long already, so let me finish up. I have two more paragraphs. I routinely receive letters from folks desperate to launch an innovative food alternative in their community only to have their dreams dashed by bureaucrats. The regulations have nothing to do with safety. They have everything to do with rigidity, orthodoxy, market access, different set values, right? But those values are as valid too. What if your fellowship group could not meet in home but had to meet in a licensed building? I can already hear someone responding. Surely you're advocating a 1,000 seat auditorium with no building inspection. No, I'm not advocating that, but what if you only have 20 people? Do you need light to exit signs and breakaway doors? You see, Jesus told his disciples, but we're, okay, let me just pause there. Do you need light to exit signs and breakaway doors? Okay, when you manage the collective, the large, the collective, right? When you have thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, the more, when you have a bigger government, the more situations you're going to have where its application to local systems are not going to make sense. So this is, there's an optimization point. So in mathematics, when we have systems of equations and we have, um, optimization point. So you have two competing interests and the optimization point like lies somewhere in between that and can shift based on all these factors. So you have to like find the optimization point. And what he's pointing out right now is that we were not at an optimization point. And I think most people, this could be a capital T truth. Most people are probably agree that there's, there's a, something in the system needs to be adjusted. And either we adjust it ourselves or nature will adjust it for us. Either way, it's going to be adjusted. That's not the issue. The issue is, how's, what type of consequences do we want to endure? Do we want to endure suffering? Do we want to endure, in Eckhart Tolle's words, unnecessary suffering, right? At this point, there is going to be a change that's required. We do it either of our own volition, or it's going to be uh, rendered on us. Okay. So you see, Jesus told his disciples, for where two or three are gathered together by name, there I am in the midst of them. Matthew 18, 20. 
Do you know how empowering that is? We don't have to get 10 or 12 or 50 or 1,000. God is not limited by many or few, which is the point he made to Gideon. But America's food system honors the big players and despises the little players. If you don't believe that, just try to make some quiche in your kitchen and sell it to your townhouse neighbors. Yeah, I agree. But we have to show that the local level is educated, responsible, engaged, consistent. And I'm sorry, I look at my own small hometown. I'm like, there's not enough people here for that. They're too busy watching football and watching TV. And that's just me calling it how it is. That's objective T truth, because that's what I'm seeing in society now. The reasons for them watching TV and they're trying to numb out, maybe they don't see like the vision. Maybe we need to have better spiritual leaders, likely in the community. Um, it's not, I'm not trying to blame them, but this is, it's like a garden. You're like looking at all the plants and you're just like, okay, these plants are watching TV and doing all these things. Like, do they want to be watching TV? I don't think people generally want to waste their lives like watching TV. I just don't, I think if they had something better to do, they would, but sometimes they don't have the inspiration to do it. So then that's when like, you know, other plants pop up in the population to kind of encourage those plants um, to, to, to thrive with us. But we all have a choice. Uh, we all have a choice too of what type of plant we want to be. I guess if you're talking to astrology people, some things, some things are faded. So I don't know. I don't know. That's getting into small t truth. I don't, I'm not sure. So the last uh, thing I want to look up if I can kind of want to like see what his natal chart is like Joel Salatin's birthday I don't I'm not going to have his okay I'm not going to have his time of birth let's see let's see if someone does so we have it's interesting Mars and Taurus right okay so a lot of people are gonna be like oh confirmation bias could be but it could also be a way to describe things right so like Mars and Taurus Taurus is a sign of the earth Mars is action initiator of the earth and what's interesting is here, um, what are we? Okay, Mars. And then um, we have Leo. So we have Uranus, Pluto, and Leo. We have Jupiter and Virgo. Virgo, sign of the Earth, Jupiter, abundance. Uh, Neptune and Scorpio, Saturn and Sagittarius, and the Moon in Capricorn. So that's his chart. Um, Okay. Anyway, so Joel Salatin, uh, one more day on Friday. One more day on Friday and have the selection for tomorrow is, what is this? Um, okay, just new structures, new structures for the church. And that will lead into next week, Church of the Bible. That will be the last for this week. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to my commentary. Um, hope you got something out of it, something to think about, marvelous pigness of pigs, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good night. Bye.